This is In the Studio with Michael Card. I'm Wayne Shepard. And Michael, this week we have some interesting things coming up on the program. Later on, Makoto Fujimura will join us. Yeah, we have really representatives from all over the world on this program. I hadn't thought of it that way. You're right. Makoto from uh, Japan. Japan. Yeah. And we're going to interview a young man from um, Eritrea. Yes. Whom you interviewed in Israel. In Israel. (laughs) Okay, all right. right. That fits the theme. Yeah. And we're going to hear you teaching in Israel in one of the Mm -hmm. tours. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're going to go all the way around the world. All right. Uh, I'll explain that teaching coming up in a moment, but um, I want our listeners to go to michaelcard.com. You can reach us various ways, Facebook and Twitter and all that, but if you just go to michaelcard.com, that's the easiest way to find us everywhere. Yeah, if you hear something you're interested in the program and you want to follow up with that, go to the the Facebook page. We always love interacting with you as well, so please do that. michaelcard.com. Okay, we're going to talk about Hesed today. Yes. This is something you've been working on for 10 plus years, right? Oh, yeah. Such a long time. It, it's kind of, it's broken my brain. I finally finished the book. It comes out uh, later later this yeah, year. We'll talk about when it comes out. Yeah. Uh, but but uh, I think I bit off more than I could chew, really. It's it's a huge topic. And I'm not saying the Lord didn't want me to do it, but it, it was, it was there was a certain amount of cost involved in doing it, and I'm still recovering. Well, I got to say right now, we're grateful that you've invested a big chunk of your life in this. I hope it's going to be helpful because I think it's it's... It's. I think it's the most important word in the Old Testament. Uh, that's saying an awful lot. Yeah. Some people say it's the most sacramental word. I know there's more than a hundred ways to define it, but yes. what, what is hesed? Well, my, here's my definition. My definition takes a, a sentence. Hesed is when the person from whom I have a right to expect nothing gives me everything. All right. Not a second chance. God is not the God of second chances. He's the God of more chances you can than you can imagine. So what we're going to hear is you uh, leading a tour in Israel, right. where I don't, you don't remember exactly where this took place, likely, no. but but you are in a setting where Jesus was. Yes, and we we are the tour is uh, the theme of the tour is Hesed, so we go to various sites okay. that are associated with Hesed, in particular in the Old Testament. All right, well that's coming up now on the program, and the later you'll meet that we'll meet this young man named Simon. Whom you interviewed in Israel? Who is a remarkable man? Whose his story is unbelievable. The, the torture and the, the suffering that he endured, and he eventually became a, le- a believer. He's a remarkable young man. We'll talk more about that yeah. as we introduce that segment. But let's let's go to Israel with Michael right now as he teaches on Hesed. This is part one. You know, I tell people if you have a verse from the Old Testament that you memorized, the word Hesed is probably in it. You know. Um, and the two, this is the, the first formula is this, it comes um, originally from Exodus 34, but we're going to see in this really gutsy move how uh, Moses quotes back to God what he said to him in, in Numbers 14. But the formula is this, the Lord is slow to anger and abounding in hesed. That's the first formula. And the second one uh, I refer to as, a, as an everlasting refrain, and it's... it's uh, it almost becomes the motto of Israel, almost like our "In God We Trust." But it's uh, um, give thank. This is a long version. Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. Tov. That's one of those words that Hesed draws to itself. He is good, and His Hesed endures forever. That's First Chronicles sixteen thirty four. So um, let me read you the passage that the, the, the first formula um, where, where it comes back. It's not the first place it appears, but the first place it comes back. This is Numbers uh, 14, 11 through 19, 10 through 19. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. Uh, then the glory of the Lord appe- appeared that stoning uh, Moses and Aaron and, I don't know, the 12, tri- the, the spies too. I don't know if they're going to stone all of them. I don't remember. But you look it up. Uh, then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the Israelites. And this isn't the tabernacle. This is this, me- this tent where Moses wouldn't meet with God. And this, is, this blows my mind. The Lord says to Moses, How long will these people despise me? How long will they refuse to believe in me? That's important. How long will they refuse to believe in me? In spite of all the signs I purport among them, I will strike them down with a plague and destroy them, but I'll make you into a nation uh, greater and stronger than they. And if you think about it, he already did this once. This is a strategy he's already used once. So um, I'm going to wipe everybody. I'm going to start all over again with you. And Moses says to the Lord, then the Egyptians will hear about it. By your power, you brought these people. He's talking to God, right? By your power, you brought these people up from among them. And they will tell all the inhabitants of this land about it. Um, They have already heard about you, Lord, um, what you've performed among them. 
and they will tell all the inhabitants of this land about it. They've already heard that you, Lord, are with these people and that you, Lord, have uh, been seen face to face, that your cloud stays over them and that you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. If you put all these people to death, leaving none alive, the nations who've heard about this uh, report will say, the Lord was not able to bring these people into the land. He promised them on oath. So he slaughtered them in the wilderness. And we'll look at this in more detail in a second. Now may the Lord's strength be displayed just as you have declared. Now he's going to remind him. Just as the Lord has declared, and he, this is Exodus 34, that you, the Lord, are slow to anger and abounding in hesed. There it is. You're slow to anger and abounding in hesed and forgiving sin or rebellion. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. That's the second part of that Exodus 34 passage. He punishes the children. And I don't like this translation. He, he visits the consequences of the sin of the fathers to the children to the third and fourth generations. In accordance with your hesed, forgive the sin of these people. So according to your hesed, forgive them. That is, they don't deserve it. They have no right to expect anything from you. But we want you to give everything. So forgive them. So in accordance to your hesed, forgive the sin of these people. We've already heard David asking for the forgiveness in the Bathsheba affair in Psalm 51. Forgive me according to your hesed. Just as you have pardoned them from the time they left Egypt till now, the Lord replied, I have forgiven them as you asked. Um, I'm not sure about this time, David. You have to help me. I, I, my note says it's been roughly a year since Exodus 34. I mean, do we know for sure how long it's been since Sinai and the giving of the law? And Well, I say roughly a year. I don't know where I got that. Uh, the people have arrived on the border of the promised land. The re representatives have reconnoitered the land. The ten spies come back and they say the people are strong and they, lived in they live in walled cities, some of these types of cities we've been seeing. Now, that's the first bad sign because what does it mean they live in walled cities? It means it's going to be hard to drive them out, right? Um, uh, yeah, they said they lived in walled cities. But Caleb says we can do this. Sweet Caleb says we can do this. And then, then it comes. They say, but we saw the Nephilim there, the giants. That's from, Exodus, or from Genesis 6. In uh, 14.1, the people cry all night long, and they want to go back to Egypt. So they decide they're going to appoint another leader who will take them, take them back, back into Egypt and back into slavery. Moses and Aaron fall face down before the assembly. Then the, the glory of God appears at the tent of meeting, and that's the passage I just read. Moses goes into the tent, and they have this discussion. How long will they despise me, God says. And my note says that, that notion uh, of the people despising or abandoning, it could be translated that way too. Uh, I say that, that it's the sin that reveals the nature of all sin. It cannot go unpunished, because by abandoning God or rejecting God, um, we willfully place ourselves outside of his hesed. It's not like the promised land is almost a metaphor for hesed. I'm not going to go in there. So what's left but to go back into slavery, right? You're a God of hesed. I don't want you. I don't want you. I don't want you. I, just, I despise you. I reject you. See? Um, yeah, we reject him and we place ourselves outside of his hesed. Uh, in a sense, it becomes an unpardonable sin because the person despises the Lord's mercy, the source of his forgiveness, and we render ourselves unpardonable. But Moses', Moses intercession for the people uh, rests on two legs. And my, my, my translation didn't reflect this. I think that was NIV I was reading. I think ACSB or CSB says, this is going to destroy your fame with the Egyptians. You're famous with them for all the stuff you did. So first of all, God, you can't do that. And second of all, it violates what you said back in Exodus 34. I don't get, think God, uh, Moses quoted the chapter to him, but you know what I'm saying. Um, so uh, in light of those two, two things, he says, so, so you need to forgive these people according to your hesed. Um, and my note says, uh, he asked for forgiveness according to hesed, because he now knows he can ask for what he and the people don't deserve. Does that make sense? Um, it, this is Catherine Sankenfeld, who wrote one of the really, uh, one of the kind of turning point books on uh, Hesed. 
Catherine Sangavel says, Moses is justified in assuming the Lord will be more faithful than he has a right to expect. That's a brilliant way of putting it. But there's a problem. The, the, if God is just a God of Hesed, why not just forgive everybody and say, hey, we're, we're all big one, ha one big happy family. Uh, why do they go back into the wilderness for 40 years uh, for that first generation to die? Um, and that's where this passage helps us see that I think the nature of sin and this full nature of Hesed. David's been fit, hinting at there's this other side of Hesed. Uh, and I think when God in Exodus 34 says, um, uh, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to take away the consequences of sin. You know, I'm going to deal with sin. Uh, in fact, what David just said outside of the wine press, uh, the God of Hesed has done everything and more to bring the people into the promised land. I mean, he agreed. I mean, what more could he, have, could he have done? Manna, quail, shoes that never wore out, that sort of thing. And they refuse to believe his promise. And they, they want to go back to the desert, uh, back into the desert. They want to go back to Egypt. They want to be slaves again. Slavery we know. The promised land we don't know, right? We, we don't know. Slavery I know. I got that, right? Uh, so disbelief and stubborn refusal uh, to obey. Bill Lane talked a lot about stubborn disbelief as a reality. Stubborn disbelief. Don't roll your eyes because you do it too. Um, so stubborn, stubborn disbelief, I mean, you know, don't roll your eyes. Um, interpretive principle, if the Pharisees are doing something wrong, don't roll your eyes. You're doing it wrong in your own way, right? If the children of Israel are doing something wrong, don't roll your eyes. You're doing it wrong in your own unique way. But this stubborn disbelief really equals the return into the wilderness and death. But not death to a nation. Because God made His promise, right? No, it's death to that generation that refuses. Remember what He said: "I'm going to visit the consequences of the sin of the uh, uh, sins of the fathers to the children of the second, third generation. The second and third generation they wander in the wilderness, they suffer the consequences of their sin, but they still enter the promised land because God's going to keep His promise. Why? Because Hesed endures forever. Okay, Hesed endures forever." Um, God will keep His promise, but, but death to those who despised Him, who put themselves outside of that hesed. Um, okay, I just said that. And my, 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 I, I suggest to you, this is what George Guthrie taught me, I suggest to you, even in this, God is demonstrating His hesed. Even in this, He's demonstrating His kindness, because to erase the consequences of sin would be devastating to the following generations. Sin would just, would just multiply otherwise. Okay? Uh, let, me, let me blow away all confusion by quoting C.S. Lewis. You know. In Great Divorce, Lewis says, this page 72, there are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done, and those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. All that are in hell, choose it. Without that self-choice, there could be no hell. And I'll say it this way, that when God judges, He's only pronouncing a sentence we've passed on ourselves. Okay? Isaiah, looking forward to the future restoration of Israel, spoke of the one uh, who is slow to anger. And that's our, the theme we're still dealing with. He says, I deserted you for a brief moment, but I will take you back with abundant rachamim, with abundant compassion. In a surge of anger, I hid my face from you for a moment, but I will have compassion on you with hesed. Uh, that's Isaiah 54, 7 and 8. So here's the conclusion. Now the phrase, the Lord is slow to anger and rich in hesed, will become a formula in the preceding centuries. It will be sung by David in three of his psalms, Psalm 86, uh, 15. But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God. Those are two of those words that hesed pulls to itself. Slow to anger and abounding in hesed and truth. So there's our formula. Uh, this is Psalm 103, 7 through 10. He revealed his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. Here it is. Slow to anger and abounding in hesed. He will not always accuse or be angry forever. He has not dealt with us as our sins deserve or repaid us according to our iniquities. Psalm 145, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and great in hesed. There's our formula. The Lord is uh, good to everyone. His compassion rests on all he has made. The rabbi said, you know, asked the question, why did God create the world in the first place? The rabbi said, he created the world so he could show it his kindness. 
He created the world so he could be kind to it. Uh, it will be remembered by Nehemiah. This is Nehemiah 9.17. They refused to listen and did not remember your wonders you performed among them. They became stiff-necked, that stubborn disbelief. They became stiff-necked and appointed a leader to return them to their slavery in Egypt. But you are forgiving God, gracious and compassionate. Here it is. Slow to anger and abounding in hesed. There's our formula. And you did not abandon them. That's Nehemiah 9.17. Joel will repeat this formula. Uh, this is Joel 2.13. Tear your hearts, not just your clothes, and return to the Lord your God, for He's gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in hesed, and He relents from sending disaster. Here's, I think this is my conclusion. God is slow to anger precisely because He's rich in hesed. That's what makes Him slow to anger. Uh, though the people continue to break the covenants he makes with them, he keeps keeping them because he's rich in Hesed. It is what makes him unlike any other God. And there's a whole other theme, if we have time to look at it, we will, in Solomon's prayer when he dedicates the temple. The point of that prayer is, there's no other God like you. And the reason being that you're a God of Hesed. He demonstrates his incomparable strength by means of his infinite kindness. He demonstrates his incomparable strength by means of his infinite kindness, okay? And we are going to pause right there. Recorded in Israel, a very informative introduction to Hesed. In weeks to come, we'll hear part two of that mm -hmm. here in the studio with Michael Card. But we want to make time for an interview you did in Israel. Why are we going to hear from Simon here today? Well, there, there's a, a, an interesting little, it's a community and it's also sort of a retreat center, uh, Eretz Monai. And while I was there, uh, one, of the, one of the men in leadership said, there's a man here that you need to meet and you need to talk to. And he's, just, he's on staff there. His name's Simon. And he has endured uh, unbelievable uh, suffering in his life. He, had, he, was, he was a slave. He had been uh, uh, ransomed at one point. Um, uh, and it, you have to listen closely. He has a very, very thick accent, mm -hmm. but... Uh, uh, the story of how God met him and he became a Christian in, in the midst of all this uh, is a remarkable story. So here's Simon. Yerushmana is a believer place, like people is, uh, who believe in Jesus and Jesus Christ, I mean. And they are also very openly, they are like, it's also a hotel for guests who come here to spend time and like kind of enjoying and they have sometimes every every Shabbat they have conference like congregation mm. and uh, the people who live here is they are like kind of my family they they even can help me if they could for me it's, I learn many things it helped me many things I work with a lot of voluntary meeting many people sometimes it's hard but when I see these things it's sometimes you know it helped me like to stay longer here and to to don't give up these things too also. And then I'm re really grateful to be here in mm. this moment. How did you find out about <coughs> this place? I I met someone from here who is working in the housekeeping now, the mm. housekeeping manager. Mm -hmm. So he just I just was walking this uh, road away to Navilan and then he just met me there. Mm -hmm. And then he asked me if I would like to come to work. Like he asked me what I am, and then he asked, and I told him that I'm a believer, Christian. Mm -hmm. And then he told me there is a place here in Yadashmana that maybe could be good for you. Mm. I wasn't really ready to come here, and then he pushed me a little bit. Why weren't you ready? <laughs> I don't know, because I was working in uh, another hotel. Mm -hmm. I didn't have any problem with that. Mm -hmm. So... I didn't, so I was not ready, like, but I said I would try to come here and then to see the place. You know, when I came, I just, I said I would try. And mm -hmm. then uh, when I started to try and then I started to like it, and the people is also very welcome people. So start to work with them and start to know the people who is here and a lot of tourists coming. Also, you have kind of feeling like a bit second home for me. Mm -hmm. Because it have been very hard for me, my past life, like since I 
before I came to Tiadash Malang. In Eritrea? <coughs> yeah, it's uh, from Eritrea. I grew up uh, originally in Eritrea. Did you grow up in a Christian family? Yeah, until 18 years old. Mm -hmm. My whole, whole family is like Christian, but it's... The Christian sometimes, what he says, like, till you grow up, till 18, did you follow that Christianity things? Mm -hmm. And after that, you have to go to army mm -hmm. in whole, whole your life. And you are not, like, you are not part of the Christian. You are not, you don't have time for to pray. It's hard to be a Christian yeah. in the army? Yeah, it's, it the, it's, for them, it's Christian, Muslim, everyone have to be the same. Uh -huh. And you don't have, you cannot pray, you cannot do anything. Wow. So it's like you have to do it things what they want from you mm -hmm. and uh, you have to be slaver and you have to wow how long were you in the military before you ran off i was half a year there i ran away it's like they put me in jail without any reason they wow. like uh, and then from the jail I, I just ran away to sudan from sudan and mafia catch me and it was which was very hard mm -hmm. and they took me to i was three weeks in the like close to Egypt. From Egypt, they, like, they took me to Sinai, if you know where is Sinai. Mm. In chains? In chains, mm. also my legs. And then they was ask us first to give them money, $3,000. I asked my family to help me with that, and they helped me. And then they asked me more, $13,000. Mm. And then they start, like, start to hit in us 24 hours without uh, food. Like It's very, like, uh, we was many people, like more than 50 people. So they was beating us every day almost. Mm. And we was praying like, you know, really hard for God yeah. to give us some help. And it's God, you know, sometimes open the door and it's like, it's which is really amazing. I never told that I will live from that place yeah. to be alive. And then I even was trying to kill myself because oh. It was really hard for me to be there, suffering, everyday pain, and uh, without enough food. And then after, we we cut everyone with this big scissor, mm -hmm. and then we came here like from 56 people, just 34. Some of them died. Some of them they catch them. So how did you get here <coughs> from from Africa to here? From I was in Sinai for two months. I told you Sinai oh, is close Sinai. to Israel, uh -huh. and then from uh, Sinai to Israel, the border, and I just get in the border in Israel, and then in uh, a camp. Mm -hmm. I was for seven days, and they asked me like how I came, everything. I told them about all my situation. After seven days, they get, just gave me for bus ticket. Just find yourself like uh, I didn't get any help, and then I found some. People like as me, like before, they was mm -hmm. they started to work Some and they had, refugees. Yeah, they helped me. I stayed with them for months, and then that's how I started to, by myself, like to myself to build, and I didn't had anything. Mm. And then and then after I moved to Haifa, started to work there. I worked almost for a year, and then after I moved to Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, I worked close to Yadashmana almost a year also, and I moved to Yadashmana. Wow. And I'm here in Yerushalayim working. Wow. The situation of the like the visa is I renewing every month. Always is something new. Like sometimes they start to cut from our salary, twenty person, because now they decided to kick everyone, every refugee back to Rwanda or Uganda, and I don't know. So I'm waiting for. Whatever happened, it's happened. So I don't have any choice to do anything. So, so they may say, you've got to yeah. leave. Yeah, they can say that. And you'll go to Uganda or Rwanda, you said? But mm -hmm. I don't want to go anywhere, even they put me in jail. Sure. So it's, that's, what, that's, that's what is my plan. Yeah. So let's see. Wow. Yeah. Wow, what a struggle. So is there no way for you to become an Israeli citizen? There is no like uh, I, I gonna say how can I say they are, they said yeah, I'm not enough refugee for them mm -hmm. because I ran away from the army so it's like it's not a case for you to run away from the army that's what they said I mean it's they wow. said like almost to everyone I mean there's many people here like many refugees like mm -hmm. about more than thirty thousand refugees so plan is like to make you 
to go every mile and to get tired and to leave the country. But if I could, I could leave the country to find it a better, better place. Mm -hmm. But if I go to Africa back, and then I will find myself or in uh, Libya or in Sudan somewhere. You know, many people is go out from here. They died, more of, some of them in the Mediterranean, some yeah. of them, like the ISIS killed them. Yes. So which is... If you had your choice, you would stay here. Yeah, I, I would stay here, definitely. And then I'm uh, like, I have kind of sponsor to Canada, that I met someone here, like oh, a pastor from Canada, Nyadashmana. And then he's trying with that, but it's still uh, the Israeli uh, UNICEF, if you know the UNICEF, mm -hmm. takes time and they say, like, you have to work with I don't know if it will work or not. It's like up to them. So you may end up in Canada if he helps yeah, you. Yeah, if, it's, if it works, the sponsor, I may end in Canada, mm -hmm. which will be helpful for me. Better than yeah. uh, Libya. Yeah. yeah, it's really... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it. can we pray for you? Yeah, Let me pray. Let me pray for you. Thank you. Uh, Lord, we come to you on, uh, with our brother Simon and what seems like such an impossible situation, but we know that you're sovereign, we know that you're Lord. Uh, we thank you for this Canadian man who's, who's offered to help, and we pray that you would uh, open doors that no one else can open. And, and until he knows, uh, I just pray you'd be with Simon's heart. Uh, thank you for this provision of this place uh, where he can have a, a Christian family and have good work to do. So we lift up our brother to you in the name of Jesus. Pray you be with him in, in your name. Amen. Mm -hmm. We'll keep praying for you. Thank you. Yeah. What a story, Mike, as you talked to Simon there in Israel. What did it mean to you to hear Simon's story? Well, you know, you hear of refugee crisis and the suffering of, you know, people groups. But then you actually sit down and see this young man, incredibly kind, incredibly sweet, just going about his chores, working there uh, at the retreat center. And, and, and you see, he is longing uh, to, to find a home. He's, he's, uh, and he's got uh, this, this man who's come into his life who's going to help him uh, immigrate to Canada. And then he'll start all over again once he gets to Canada. And you multiply that thousands and thousands and thousands of times and a that's, big story comes right to our doorstep doesn't yeah, it? yeah. I, I don't think you can understand the big picture until you understand that one individual picture and then you see okay this is what uh, at least a lot of the people are dealing with and welcome back into the studio Mike what's coming up now well, Makoto Fujimura is coming up, uh, but before uh, we speak to him, we're going to uh, listen to a song, Scribbling in the Sand, that comes from the uh, passage, most people's favorite passage in the Gospel of John, uh, John chapter 8, uh, the woman taken in adultery, mm -hmm. where Jesus does one of those beautiful, imaginative, irritating things. <laughs> he, he squats down in the sand twice and writes, uh, we don't know. What he wrote. He was but, scribbling in the sand. Yes. And you sing this as John Ketchings accompanies you. Yes. Amidst a mob of madmen, she stood frightened and alone. As hateful voices hissed at him that she should now be stoned. But in the air around him hung a vast and wordless love. Who knows what luminous lesson he was in the middle of? At first he faced the fury of their self-righteous scorn. But then he stooped and at once became the calm eye of the storm. It was his wordless answer to their dark and cruel demand. A lifetime in a moment As he scribbled in the sand It was silence, it was music It was art, it was absurd He stooped and shouted volumes Without saying a single word The same finger of the strong hand That had written ten commands 
for now is simply scribbling in the sand. Within the space of space and time, it scribbled in the sand. They came to hear and see as much as they could understand. Now bound by cords of kindness, they couldn't cast a single stone. And Jesus and the woman found that they were all alone. It was silence, it was music, it was art, it was absurd. He stooped and shouted volumes without saying a single word. The same finger of the strong hand that had written Ten Commands. For now, simply scribbling in the sand. Could that same finger come and trace my soul's sacred sand and make some unexpected space where I could understand? That my own condemnation pierced And broke that gentle hand That scratched the words I'll never know Written in the sand It was silence, it was music It was art, it was absurd He stooped and shouted volumes Without saying a single word the same finger of the strong hand that had written Ten Commands. For now we're simply scribbling in the sand. The same finger of the strong hand that had written Ten Commands. For now we're simply scribbling in sand Mike, I loved hearing that again. John Catching playing the cello. Yeah. yeah. As only John can. Yeah. Wow. Scribbling in the Sand, Michael Card here as we uh, introduce our next guest. Uh, I remind our listeners that we've always had this outline for the program. Right. Uh, you remember the three-point outline? Yeah, uh, they all begin with a C, right? Right. Community, commentary, and creativity. creativity mm-hmm. Yes. Uh-huh. And one of the guests through the years that was always an anchor for us is Makoto Fujimura, who's with us now, your friend. Yes. Uh, Mako, welcome back after nine, a nine-year <laughs> hiatus. I know. Long, long time. Yeah. Yeah, good to be back. We have so much to catch, catch up on, but let me, let me tell the listeners that Scribbling in the Sand song was also a book on creativity, yes. uh, Christ and creativity, and the person that wrote the introduction was... Makoto Fujimura, yeah, and he also wrote a letter in the back to mm-hmm. to artists. So you were a big part of that yes. uh, project, and uh, we we basically are we're starting the program back up again, and we're we're going to catch up with you. What have you been doing in the last, gee, nine years? Yeah, well, let, let me first say everything that we uh, you have uh, developed in the book and I had talked about uh, has has become so important uh, in in discussions of contemporary culture and theology and um even even i would say philosophy and business and mm-hmm. so so much has transpired in the last 9 years that um that basically um gave more more of a layered uh, depth to uh, what you and I have been exploring uh, you through your music and uh, in my case through my art and um, it's it's really a good time to be looking back and and seeing what can be modified but also more importantly uh, everything that our intuition told us was happening is happening and even more. Mm. Let me take both of you back. How did you get connected in the first place, Mike? I think it was through this book. I had seen your work, 
and and yeah. heard about you and 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 for the listeners who don't know who, who Makoto Fujimura is, he he's not just a, 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 a wonderful painter, um, but he is also very articulate in terms of writing books and and uh, uh, and you know philosophy of art, what yeah. it, you know creativity, you theology of art, many yeah, times, isn't yeah, it? yeah. And so I, I, you know, we someone helped us uh, to connect, and and uh, we we communicated f- several times before we actually met, and. Uh, and we've yeah. had this sort of long-distance relationship ever since. Well, I, I remember, Mike, I, I came to uh, Christ, I came to, into my Christian faith when I was uh, studying this traditional Japanese form of art called Nihonga in Japan, mm-hmm. and um, I, I, I was brand new in, in my faith, and uh, a missionary friend said, uh, you should listen to Michael Card, uh, because he's, he's sophisticated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's more, he's more sophisticated. He, you know, he, he uh, you would really appreciate his music mm-hmm. because it's, it's, it's more, uh, deep, mm-hmm. uh, than the typical so-called Christian music, um, that's out there. And, um, that was, that was really an interesting first exposure mm. into Christian culture, and um, I applaud you since. I think you play that New Providence uh, uh, high school in a New Providence Presbyterian church event, and mm-hmm. I went to middle school and high school in New Providence, New Jersey, so I was introduced uh, that way. Uh, I think it was through Ben Patterson, uh, who was mm-hmm. a pastor there. Oh, but, I remember uh, that name, yeah. Yeah, sure. yeah. <laughs> so... So we we do go way back, and um, but even thinking about that, you know, way back when um, there were so few people thinking deeply and seriously about uh, music and art and and so forth. I, I think we we have journeyed together into uh, a whole realm of um, both uh, brokenness and uh, you know what um, what we lack in terms of expression out there that is genuinely deep and but also in terms of um uh, understanding uh role to serve the church and those two things have have always been um part of my journey Uh, i I regularly exhibit i I, right right now i have a uh, exhibit at tickleton museum in israel (laughs) yeah i saw (laughs) that on facebook yeah i'm gonna be going back there i i I think of you often when i'm traveling in israel Mm. i know that's on your heart as well and um um and and also i just and the uh, uh, exhibit at the inaugural uh, exhibit for the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. Really? And those were the original pieces for the Four Holy Gospels that I did in 2011. So uh, much has transpired since um, we hmm. last talked. Yeah, so so we had this wonderful beginning together and this resonance, great resonance between us uh, and uh, great admiration for your work and your, your mind but uh, now we're you know kind of back together again, and I I really would yeah, like to know because yeah. uh, I have bits and pieces of what you've been doing. I know about the the work in Princeton, and I'd heard yeah. about the Tel Aviv opening, but that's everything else is sort of uh, not not in focus right. for me. So let me know what you've been doing. Yeah, so so the museum is in Haifa. It's at a Tikkun Museum, which is a. Uh, uh, only Japanese museum in the Middle East, oh. and I, I happened to stumble upon it in, in my last tour in Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, but you know, so so much has happened, um, uh, you know, since since we last talked. And um, I have uh, began to work with Fuller Seminary in Pasadena, so I'm out there four months out of the year. They gave me a beautiful studio to work in, and and I I have done uh, rather rather large paintings that I exhibit in New York now, and uh, so that that has really continued my my work inside a studio, mm-hmm. and then mentor mentoring students, and um, you know helping to envision the future of seminary education and education in general, I suppose, but. Um, those, those are things that I've been involved in of late, and mm-hmm. uh, I've written uh, several books as well. Mm-hmm. Mako, uh, Michael's creativity comes out most often in music, and yours comes out yes. in a visual form. Uh, yes. Talk to us about art and, and what you're uh, trying to accomplish with what you're doing. Right. So it, it, 
is increasingly the boundaries of these genres are collapsing. And I think mm. young people even don't think about making a movie and composing music and drawing, you know, uh, at the same time, right? Uh, and and so this kind of immersive reality is opening up, and um, it's a good thing. Mm. Um, I, have, I have done a lot of live collaborations with musicians and um I think of that often, um, and, you know, I, I think the next generation is uh, really trying to understand whatever your expertise may be, um, that that becomes a springboard uh, to think holistically about the world. Um, in in our generation, we, we, we were kind of sandwiched between this idea that you can silo things and, you know, a musician is a musician and, you know, a philosopher is a philosopher and plumber is a plumber. <laughs> but that, I, I don't think that no longer stands. Uh, you know, a lot of people uh, have multi-ways of experiencing the world and yeah. even working. You know, we, we change jobs every, you know, three years or whatever. And, mm -hmm. and so, so there, there's a new reality in terms of, um, uh, you know, pragmatic things, but, but also in terms of theolo theological and, and, um, realities how, how we look at the world, you know, is, is, has, has changed into, um, this trying to find authenticity in what is, so fragmented and polarized and um, oftentimes disruptive, right? And, mm -hmm. and art, art brings integration um, and helps us to understand the world. And uh, I, I, you know, include theater and um, dance and, and film into that as right, well. Right. And so the, these have become increasingly very important, uh, uh, not, not just entertainment, uh, but it, it becomes an important uh, philosophical and theological um, import into our lives. Now, when you do a performance piece, I mean, the last piece I remember you doing was with a percussionist. Yeah, you, Susie Barra. Yeah. yeah. And, and I continue to work with her. Okay, so my, my question is, it, that seems to me, when, when you're combining those two forms, and you said, like, the, the boundaries are collapsing, when the boundaries yeah. collapse like that, then do you, are you more in touch with what's most fundamental? And, and if you are, what is most fundamental? Well, I think, I think it's still important to have a base uh, language that your expertise in, you know, this is uh, Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hours, you know, that mm -hmm. you spend cultivating yes. one, one craft. But, yes. you know, I think now what, what's exciting is, you know, once you gain that, you, you can start to, uh, do divergent, um, uh, create, Activity, uh, rather than traditionally you were locked into whatever it was in that genre, you know, um, would, would, um, would speak to the mm -hmm. world, um, with, and, and so, so you do have collaboration, uh, you know, I mean, this, this, this podcast is a great example of how technology allows a single songwriter, right, to, to um, to speak to the world through this medium and technology, and um, then uh, you have invited a visual artist to speak. Yeah, you know? well, <laughs> uh, yeah. So so this is a perfect example of what's happening. Well, uh, well, my guess is is it is it. I mean, would you describe it as there's this resonance? There's I mean, there's some sort of fundamental something that's common that. That you share when you're you're making art and she's making music yes. together, yeah. and that that's what I would right. I would love to hear you articulate what what is oh, that oh, thing yeah. that you touch? Yeah, so I can't do collaborations with just anybody, and mm -hmm. with Susie, it's a very interesting point as you know. Um, Susie was a visual artist before she was a percussionist, and and she uh, says when when she's watching me paint, she hears sound. And uh, when I hear her play, you see things. Um, and this, 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 yeah. When I when I hear her play in percussion, um, I see, see color. Mm -hmm. um, so, so there, there's this immediate overlap, and and um, that that I experienced in her music, uh, and so I knew that that it would work. It doesn't happen with just 
uh, anybody. And um, I recently did another collaboration with a young young Japanese um, jazz pianist, and she has that quality as well. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what it is, but but it, it, it's it, fascinating. Music, yeah, I have that. Yeah. Well, is it a spiritual thing? I mean, is this something are 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 the the people that you work with believers? Uh, Maybe uh, Susie was kind of in and out of her faith mm-hmm. uh, for a long time, and um, you know I think uh, friendship has definitely kind of galvanized uh, into a spiritual point. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't think it began as that. I think it began simply as two artists in the world, um, you know, searching for whatever it is that artists look for and resonance or. Uh, depth of uh, integration or whatever, whatever that may be, and I think that. But one thing is for sure that the uh, Holy Spirit is definitely behind that, yeah. um, because any kind of communication is a miracle, yeah. and mm-hmm. I, I would say any kind of collaboration is is it can only be done, you know, un, under the guidance of the Spirit, whether yeah. the person knows that or not. Or not, yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's it's so important. Okay, we just have a couple of minutes left, but I understand yeah. now that you're moving into theater. Well, what's that look like? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I well, actually, I've been uh, helping to produce some things. You know, I was involved in Martin Scorsese's film, Silence, Silence. and mm-hmm. uh, I just, um, uh, they, you know, and they ended this run off-Broadway version of Babette's Feast, which is an amazing Story of Grace in 20th Century by Isaac Dennison, um, uh, the uh, writer who uh, was uh, featured by Meryl Streep in mm-hmm. uh, Out in Africa film, um, and and I, I kind of stumbled upon these things. I, I executive produced a film and wow. <laughs> accidentally, and and it won an award, and you know, so so I, I then kind of. Uh, in and out of these things, just just as extension. But I, I I always say that important, most important thing is my studio work and okay. my writing, my writing, executive producer, whatever I do uh, comes out of that. Okay, Mako, it is always an honor to have you join <laughs> us, and we're so delighted to have yeah. reconnected with you here in the yeah, studio with Michael. Yeah. Look forward to the future of this. Uh, yeah, fantastic conversation. Okay, thanks. Thanks again for joining us. I hate hate that we have to stop, but that's the reality of this this uh, no of problem. the boundaries of this time. particular form. <laughs> They're not collapsing yet. Yeah. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I understand. The light we must bear is the light we must share is the light that illumines the darkness. The promises kept give us strength to accept this burden of bearing the light. He will walk beside us, a strong friend Barnabas. He will be that sure shoulder to lean on. The promise we share is our burden to bear, and our light tells the darkness to be gone. The light we must bear is the light we must share, is the light that illumines the darkness. The promises kept give us strength to accept this burden of bearing the light. He will come after me, this young Timothy, looking for someone to guide him. I will kindle his light, make him strong for the fight. I will promise to be there beside him. Bear is the light we must share, is the light that illumines the darkness. The promises kept give us strength to accept this burden of bearing the light. And so we must claim in his powerful name the promise the Bible has spoken. We must understand that a cord of three strands cannot be easily broken. The great need of us all, a true mentor, a Paul, who has traveled the road that's before us. He has made good the pledge to take the light on ahead. We can follow his footsteps before us. 
we must bear is the light we must share is the light that illumines the darkness the promises kept give us strength to accept this burden of bearing the light the promises kept give us strength to accept this burden of bearing the light Bearers of the Light. Thank you, Michael. I'm so grateful that we had that conversation with Mako. And you're teaching about Hesed here today. Well, and I think this song really pulls pulls a lot of this together. Um, you know, we have in Scribbling in the Sand, we have Jesus coming alongside uh, this woman, standing up for her and, and speaking into her life, certainly uh, with Simon, uh, who, who we spoke to in Israel. Yes. There's a man who's come alongside him, this Canadian, a wonderful Canadian man who's going to try to make uh, a way possible for him to uh, to immigrate and to to get into a better world, a better situation, uh, and 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 in and above all that is is our God who who intimately cares about where we are in our life, who comes alongside us, who knows the number of hairs on our heads, who who cares what uh, what our struggles are. Uh, the God of the universe uh, it is is willing to stoop uh, and and to. To come into where we are and uh, and and to do His thing and to set us free. Yeah, I I think listeners understand we don't do this just to do this and say we have a show. We do this to make a difference in people's lives, yeah. and we we want God to speak to people through our presentations yeah. here. And I, I'd love to hear from listeners what difference it's making. Yeah, I, I think if if they could just go to the Facebook page and uh, and leave their impressions and 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 uh questions or or things that they'd like uh, topics they would like to hear us deal with any kind of input uh i think we would uh, um we would benefit from yeah let's make this interactive yes uh, the facebook page is facebook.com/michaelcardmusic you can always go to michaelcard.com for all the connection points but facebook.com/michaelcardmusic and we really will take seriously those comments, yes. and you may even hear from some uh, some of us, Michael and myself, on the, on that page from and, time to time. And we may uh, reach out and contact you, yeah. and and ask you some questions. Oh, that'd on be the fun. Program. Yeah, that'd be fun. Let's indeed. try that. Okay. Well, thank you again, Michael, for investing an hour with us here Thanks, on the Wayne. program, and all that you bring musically and teaching wise to the program. Well, and, th- and thank you for tying it together. I mean, this would be so fragmented if it wasn't for your your voice and your heart. And Joe, of course. Yes, who who does all the work beforehand, the themes, and paste it all together at the end. Our producer, Joe Carlson. Thank you, Joe. Hey, if you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast online at iTunes.com. You can use other uh, podcast devices as well, apps we call them. But uh, go to iTunes and leave a review on iTunes. That's always so helpful when you do that because it spreads the word about In the Studio with Michael Card. So thank you for doing that. Check us out online at michaelcard.com. And thanks for listening. Once again, michaelcard.com.